Welcome to Random Bible Thoughts with Russ. Moment in the Word. Today we're going to be talking about continuing in John. John 13th to the end of the chapter. This is where Jesus clears the temple. And then the last part, it's uh, Jesus knows what is in a man. I'm, and for that little section, it's just a couple verses. I'm just going to read the footnote here in my ESV study Bible. Now, I have done a video on this temple clearing. This one specifically. Uh, there are two events in the Bible about Jesus clearing the temple. In John, the temple clearing is at the beginning of his ministry, after the wedding feast. In Cana, I had to think about that word. I didn't want to say the wrong name again. In Cana, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, there's a temple clearing, but it's at the end of his ministry, after his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. So, to me, these are two separate events. Some will debate it. For some, it's debatable. For me, it's not. It's plain and clear. Two events, one at the beginning of his ministry, and one at the end of his ministry. So let's uh, start with this. And verse 13, 2 John, John 2, verse 13. The Passover Jews was at hand. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found those who were selling oxen, sheep, pigeons, and money changers sitting there, making a whip, making a weapon. You might say. Of course, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen, and he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned tables. As he told those who sold pigeons, Take this away. Do not make my house, father's house, a house of trade. His disciples reminded him that it was written then, Zeal for your house will consume me. So the Jews said to him, What sign do you show us that doing these things? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up again. The Jews said, then said, It takes, has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days. But Jesus was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture in the word that Jesus had spoken. Alright. Now the video I did, I called, um, it's a moment in the word. Jesus is one bad dude. Jesus is one bad dude. He cleared the temple. In the auction sheep I mean he got angry he was mad he made a whip of course and some will say well he never used a whip a boulder dash sure he did why would you make something and not use it did he need to use it well in the second clearing of the temple in Matthew Mark and Luke he didn't, didn't say he made a whip so, you know, 
Jesus was a carpenter. He was a mason uh, that worked in masonry. I would imagine, since everything was done by hand, he was probably a pretty big dude as far as muscular-wise. You know, you don't get do that kind of stuff working with your hands and not be. But he drove out the people. He drove out the animals. He didn't just say he asked them to leave. He didn't go, shoe, animal, shoe. He drove them out. He used force to get them out. And here's a term people won't like. He used violence to get them out. Let that sink in for a minute. I one time in Sunday school said, I wouldn't be surprised if people tried jumping on his back to get him to stop and he put an elbow back into their head and they go, oh no, Jesus would never do that. Really? He made a whip. He certainly used it to drive out the animals. He tipped over tables. He had zeal for the house of the Lord. And one uh, uh, thing I was reading uh, some commentary on this is one of the reasons Jesus got so mad is because the non-Jews when they came to the temple to worship they were only allowed out in the courtyard and this is where all that was happening it was in the courtyards therefore prevented those who wanted to worship God that were not Jews to worship it was keeping them from being able to do it so he kicked them all out now these guys were they were money changers. They're probably changing at a higher rate than what was uh, allowed at the time, maybe, or whatever the rate might have been. Money change rate. I know when I went to Japan when I was in the Navy, my one dollar got me a hundred yen. I exchanged a hundred dollars and I had a hundred thousand yen or something like that. I'm like, well, look at all this money. But you look at the price of stuff, and you're like, yeah, it's not as much as you might think. But still, the the thought that these guys were in there disturbing, keeping people from worshiping that were non-Jews and wanted to worship God. They were only allowed in the courtyard because they weren't Jews. And this prevented them from happening. So yeah, he got mad. He got angry. Just drove them all out. They were the uh, people that were selling pigeons and auction or whatever they had you know, the people that could afford to buy them or people that couldn't bring anything with them they were buying them then and who's to say they were spotless for the sacrifice and these were just guys you know they got whatever they're selling them out to these people okay so it says uh, here, oh wait, I think I wanted to do an, another comparison here. Don't hold that, I got that marked, so that's okay. Oh, here, here's one of the uh, uh, um, cleansing of the temple. This is in Matthew, the, the second one. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple and overturned tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, It is written, My house should be called a house of prayer. But well, you have made it a den of robbers. 
Okay, house of prayer, you made it a den of robbers. Well, it can't be a house of prayer when you got all this business activity going on inside the temple. Can't worship. I mean, it's bad. It's bad enough. I get distracted in church from movement of people. You know, what really gets my goat. And this is because, you know, when I grew up, the sanctuary where we went in to hear the pastor speak and to worship God, the sanctuary was kind of sacred. You didn't bring food in, you didn't bring drinks in. And today, you see that all the time. And that, that, that kind of gets my goat. Oh, you don't let the kids run around in sanctuary. You see that sometimes. The sanctity of the sanctuary isn't what it used to be. You came in the sanctuary, you were quiet, you were respectful, you were reverent of the sanctuary where we go to worship God. You didn't bring your drinks in, you didn't bring food in. And let the kids run around. And the day when you take your kids out by their ear because they're being rowdy and creating a ruckus, take them out and swat them on the butt. Those days are gone. Sanctuary doesn't have the same sanctity it used to have, which is a shame, in my opinion. Okay, anyways. So, guys, my father's house, you made a house of trade. His disciples read, remembered it was written zeal for the house will consume me that is in Psalms 69.9 for the zeal of your house has consumed me and the approaches of those who reproach me you have fallen on me the zeal of your house has consumed me that's talking about Christ and just uh, I want to touch on something that I said yesterday about brothers and sisters in verse 8 of the same passage I have become a stranger to my brothers and alien to my mother's sons. That's speaking of Christ. You know, when Christ first became, uh, started his ministry, even his own family, except I would say for Mary, because Mary knew all along, even his own family had rejected him. And that's, you know, another prophecy here in Psalms about what was going to happen. And then in, in time, some of them did come to know their brother as the Messiah. Okay. One word. So the Jews said to him, verse 18, verse 18, What sign do you have us, show us, for doing these things, for turning over the table? What not? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up again. The Jews said it took 46 years to build the temple. How will you raise it up in three days? And again, they didn't know. They're in the alphabet. They were the thoughts of man. Jesus was talking about his own body. He was talking about his death and resurrection. Jesus is our temple, you might say. He is the temple indeed killed them 
he was buried in the rich man's tomb, which is another fulfillment of prophecy. Put a rich man's tomb. Let's see, I think I might have that right here even. This is a list of a couple hundred prophecies that uh, Jesus, that were made in Jesus filled. Uh, let's see here. I know it's here because I've seen it. I just don't know which page I saw it on. Here's it. Drop that one. Where'd it go? Someday I'll have a real camera and a microphone and be able to do something a little bit better. What if I'm missing a page? Anyways, that is that is a. Uh, Fulfillment of prophecy. And here, here's something I find kind of interesting. But he would speak about his temple, his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remember that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word Jesus had spoken. So they're following this man, and do they not already believe? You know, when you, you follow somebody you don't believe? I don't think so. But maybe it's just that means more like a, they believe stronger in him. <sighs> All right, let's uh, finish this chapter out. These last couple of verses. Like I said, I'm just going to read the footnotes in here. I have to look at it. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name. When they say the sign, when they saw the signs that he was doing, but Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people, and needed no one to bear witness about a man, for he himself knew what was in a man. Okay, here is the footnote for this. This section serves as an introduction to Jesus' encounter with Nicodemus in chapter 3. Believe and did not entrust himself constitutes a wordplay in Greek, both used of the verb steo. Jesus knew all people in a firm affirmation of divine omniscience. His knowledge of people's hearts is displayed in his encounters with Nicodemus and the Samaritan woman in chapters 3 and 4. Chapters 3 and 4. 
Okay. So like I said, I've done a longer video on this called Jesus the Man. A moment in the Word, Jesus the Man. And that's that on YouTube. And I should have it on my podcast somewhere. Um, so anyways, this will kind of be just a refresher of that. If you like my videos, please hit the like button. Uh, if you subscribe, I appreciate it. Leave comments. You can watch my videos on YouTube or Random Bible Thoughts with Russ. And it can be on her pretty much any platform, podcast platform, at Random Bible Thoughts with Russ. Tomorrow, we're probably going to start Chapter 3. As I said, I'm going to try and go through the whole book of John. And then after John, we'll go somewhere else. But looking at how many chapters are in John, just a thought here. How many chapters are in John? 27. 27. So if I do a chapter a week, this is going to take me almost a half a year to go through. <laughs> That's cool. I haven't tried anything like this before. And you know, when we get to Christmas and Easter, I may uh, focus more on the events of Christmas um, and maybe even talk a little bit about how Christmas pagan holiday redeemed and Easter with the pagan holiday redeemed. Actually, I don't even like calling it Easter. I don't know why I just did twice even. But I like to call it Resurrection Sunday because it was a pagan holiday called Easter. But anyways, we have the book of John for oh several more weeks. Half a year. Half a year to go through the book of John. Ain't that something? I mean, I, I guess I could try and do it quicker than that, but why? Do a little bit at a time. See what we can get out of it. Hopefully it'll bless you as it blesses me. Hopefully you learn something as I continue to learn. I'm, I find a lot of times that when I'm doing a study, I can use a verse to emphasize a particular thing. I'm doing another study on another topic. And that same verse still applies to it. One thing about God's Word, it's the best commentary. It supports itself. The Old Testament supports the New Testament. The New Testament supports the Old Testament. And yeah, I don't, you don't read one without reading the other. There's crisis throughout the Old Testament. All you got to do is look and see. That's today. Modern Word. God bless.